I said, we're talking about depression tonight. Last week, Steve talked about anxiety, right? And if you didn't hear that, you can go check it out on our podcast. We've got that on Apple Podcasts or at Ecclesia Eugene College. Um, it was great. I listened to it today just to kind of like catch up and make sure I didn't say anything that he said last week. Um, but anxiety is kind of like the brother of depression. A lot of times they show up together, right? And I don't, I don't know everyone in this room. Um, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you brought in today or how you felt today. But a lot of times depression and anxiety go hand in hand. The Mayo Clinic says that anxiety can be a symptom of depression and depression can be a symptom of an anxiety disorder. So like if you have one, you might have the other. And if you don't have the other, you're probably going to get the other pretty soon. Um, and that's just not really encouraging. There's actually, there's actually um, an association called the Depression and Anxiety Association of America, right? In 2017, they did a study, and it says 17.3 million ad adults 18 and up battle with depression in the U.S. alone, and 264 million people worldwide, and the unfortunate part is a lot of time when it comes to mental health disorders, whether it be depression or anxiety or, or all sorts of other things, a lot of it just goes undocumented and unreported, right? If you've had like a really rough day or if you're experiencing anxiety and you're like, whether it's test anxiety, you're probably not calling your doctor and being like, hey, I'm super, super anxious about this thing. Can you like tell somebody about it so that they all know that I have depression? You're probably not like broadcasting it like that. I mean, I guess people on TikTok do. Like, I saw this shirt the other day on TikTok. It was like, uh, you might not see me, but you definitely see my anxiety. And I was like, that's, that's neat. Um, and then, since that study was in 2017, we've all been given the wonderful gift that has been 2020 and 2021. It's kind of like, like, like the universe saw us and he was like, here's a little bit of extra anxiety. And then just kind of like started dumping the bag on top of all of us. And to be honest, like, I, I have not, outside of being, like, like normal, like, teenage angst and you, like, get dumped when you're 14 and you're just like, and, like, that sort of thing, like, and, and some of it's more severe than that, but, like, I hadn't really dealt with depression and anxiety until COVID hit. And in March of 2020, like, my job changed like crazy. Like I said, I'm the youth pastor, so I spent a lot of times on middle school and high school campuses and hanging out with high school students. And all of a sudden, boom, didn't do that anymore. Kids are like at home and we're like meeting on Zoom and I'm like, how are your guys this week? And they're like, terrible. And it's like, yep, same. And the church kind of stopped meeting in person and we were forced to, to just do live streams for a while and, and that was really weird. And then our office shut down. And we could go into the office, but like the dream kind of for like most people is like, man, I want to like work remote and like keep getting paid. Like I want to like not change out of my sweatpants and just keep getting paid. So at first for the like first like week or so, it's like, man, this is awesome. I watched so much YouTube. So like I did. Like there's like a few like channels that I watched. I watched every single video on like nine channels on YouTube because like what else was I going to do? All the other stuff that I had to do was like, cool, YouTube's on the background. So when you're like doing stuff and you're on your computer and you're just kind of like, YouTube's the thing that you're doing. So I watched so much YouTube, but I stopped spending time with people. 
we'd go in on Thursdays and we'd film for, for Sundays. That was not actually live. It was pre-recorded. If you were watching during that time, we were recording on Thursdays. We'd edit all day on Friday and we'd post it on Sunday morning. Um, and, and I started to get like angry and grumpy. And not just like normal grumpy. Like I turned 30 this year and I feel like when you get old, you just naturally get kind of like mean and grumpy. Not like that. Like, I get road rage, and I've, like, always gotten road rage. But during, like, the first few months of COVID, there's, like, six cars on the road, and every single one of them was, like, my mortal enemy. And I wanted to, like, in, on purpose, just, like, run them off. I was getting so angry. It was like they were put in front of me to make me mad. That's how I felt. And it kept going, and, and I began to get really short with my wife, Rebecca. We'd be talking, and, and we'd just start arguing, like everything I had to say was an argument. It was because I was just so frustrated. Now my wife, she is diagnosed with clinical depression. She takes medication for it. She knew what she was seeing, but I had no idea because I had never really dealt with it. And then one day we're standing in the hallway and I was like, babe, I think I'm depressed. And before I could like take another breath, she goes, yep. Yes, you are. And I was like, yeah. She was like, definitely, 100%. And I was like, thanks, Dr. Rebecca. Like, I, because she, she had been dealing with depression for, for a lot of her life. She had some, some rough stuff happen when she was a kid, and there's some trauma, and, and then relationships, and this and that. Um, and most of my experience with depression was watching her battle and deal with depression. But everybody deals with it differently. It manifests in, in people different ways. And this was the first time that I was getting so angry and so fed up. And it's because, like, I'm an extrovert. Like, I'm such, so much of an extrovert. Like, some people just, like, scroll on TikTok when they're in the bathroom. I like to text other people because like, I don't want to be alone in the bathroom. When I first moved to Eugene, I would, like, find my roommates and I'd be like, hey, you guys want to go like grocery shopping together? And they're like, oh, no, I just went. And I was like, well, do you want to go with me anyway? Because like, I don't want to be alone. And it sounds really sad when I put it that way. Um, like I was so extroverted and I wanted to be around people and I wanted to talk to people. And all of a sudden, people just went bye-bye. And I was trying to figure out what was going on inside of me. And it was depression. I think the craziest thing is, is that my depression caused me to look in at me and I became the center of attention. And that's not how it works for everybody. First, but for me, I mean, and I can only talk about myself right now, like it was like, oh, those cars are in front of me. They need to get out of my way. You don't understand me. You don't respect me. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I became the focus when I got depressed. And a lot of that is because when, when an extrovert wants to be around people, it's, it's, they're fed by people being around them and hearing them and seeing them and, and all those sorts of things. And, and when I felt like nobody was doing that, that became me saying, you need to listen to me or you need to talk to me or spend time with me or whatever it was. And I became the center of attention. In my world, it was all about me. There's a microphone right there. I've heard depression talked about as like, just like a rain cloud, just like following you around. 
Or maybe like you're looking through like, you know, those like frosted glass windows in bathrooms. It's like you're seeing the world, but it's like kind of distorted and it's kind of gray or, or, or I've heard it described a bunch of different ways. And for me, it was like, remember when you were a little kid and you'd watch like Tom and Jerry in cartoons and they'd have like the little angel guy on one side and the little devil guy on the other side? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I felt like the little angel guy was just like, let's see how this pans out. And the little devil guy was like, it's my turn. Like, because everything I did was just like, like nothing was bringing me joy. At that point in time, my wife and I shared a car. And because I was at home all day, I would bring her to work. And then I'd come home and I had like all day. And at first it was like, cool, I'm going to wake up and like make coffee and like, you know, do all these things. And then slowly but surely, the things that were bringing me joy stopped bringing me joy. And I was trying to figure out like what, how do I get rid of this depression? Well, what I did is I just started going back to work. It was me and there was Steve and there was like one other person in our office for the church. And like, I felt like that interaction, like I would never work in my own office. I would just like go work wherever somebody else was because like I needed to be around people and like all of a sudden like you couldn't do that anymore you couldn't like go work at a coffee shop or you couldn't just like go out to eat and it was it was really really rough because that was a response to what was happening around me because I was lacking community I was lacking people to interact with and to share with in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And you may have heard this passage used when talking about God creating woman or when, when God is creating the institution of marriage. But I think we should pause right there because, because not everybody gets married. And if this was only talking about marriage or, or a, 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 a relationship like that, that I think God would, would provide that to everyone, but, but that's just not the case. It is not good that man or woman should be alone. God created us to be in community with people surrounding us, with people who have our backs. Most of you in this room are not yet married. Some of you will be married, some of you won't be married. We did a relationship series not that long ago. You can go on the podcast, you can listen to it. We're not talking about that tonight. Tonight, what we're talking about is being around people because sometimes that's exactly what you need. And depression, what it, what it causes most people to do, and maybe you've dealt with this, maybe you're dealing with this right now, is you tend to recluse and you self-isolate from other people for a variety of different reasons. For me, when I was getting upset, man, these people are making me mad or they're annoying me. I don't want to be around them anymore. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I don't want to put the effort into explaining it anymore. And I would start to take a step back and I was like, this is not good for me. It was not good that we should be alone. Maybe you're an introvert in the room and you're like, well, you're an extrovert, Ryan. You can't relate to me. Even extroverts, they've got to have people, or even introverts, they've got to have people who are in their corner. Maybe it's just a smaller group. Maybe you don't let as many people in. Maybe your bathroom time is you time. Or your grocery shopping is you time. Or maybe you use Instacart because you get overwhelmed by being in the grocery store with that many people. 
You're like, we're college students. We can't afford Instacart, Ryan. What's going on with you? Maybe you just don't grocery shop at all. They're like, there's a dining hall. Why would I do that? But you get your food and you go back to your dorm. Like, you would never want to eat in there with all of those other people. But even introverts need people that they can talk to, people they can open up to. And, and, and that's a small circle and it's a small group, but it's so, so important. For me, other people became the bad guys. And I was the good guy because that's, that's how being self-centered, that's how looking at yourself first, that's, that's what really works. And in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, this is, this is what the gospel has to say about the interaction with other people. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but to the interests of of others. Now, when I was experiencing depression, I still very much believed in God and worshiped God and was a pastor at a church. But I was not looking at other people through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of Jesus undergoing a crazy sacrifice so that we could be welcomed into the family of God. I just didn't do that. I was looking at other people and saying, you need to listen to me. And I asked my wife tonight, she's not here. We just got a new puppy. Um, now, if you know me, you're like, Ryan, you're not a dog person. And I would say you're right. But sometimes your wife needs a dog. So you get her a dog. And you, say, <laughs> and you look at that dog. She's really cute, and I'll show you guys pictures later. She's a Labradoodle. She's nine weeks old. We named her Luna. And sometimes you look at that dog and you go, I didn't want you in my house at all, but now I never want you to leave kind of thing. You guys are like, this dog's changing this man's life. <laughs> and you're right. I took the morning off and I was sitting at home and she was chilling on the couch with me all day and I was like, this is kind of nice. Except when it was really cold and she had to go to the bathroom. Um, I asked my wife, I said, Rebecca, can I share some of your story and some of what you've dealt with tonight? Like I said, most of my experience with depression has been watching my wife deal with this like, it's almost like a ghost that haunts you. It's like no matter what you do, it won't leave you alone. It has nothing to do with, oh, you're just sad, right? My, my wife's aunt, she was with us and she goes, why are you so sad? You love Jesus, why don't you just be happy? And she was like, yeah, I've never thought of that one. Like, let me try that tomorrow and see if that goes away. Like, it's not about that. Depression is not always a response to the outside world. And for a lot of us, it is. It is the normal response when something goes bad. If you go through a breakup, if you fail a test, if you get fired from a job, like, to be a little depressed and to be like, oh, like, this is just rough. Like, I just, I don't want to do anything today. Like, so you like binge eat chocolate and ice cream and like watch Gilmore Girls on Netflix. I don't watch Gilmore Girls. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, this guy is making a lot of jokes about depression. Um, and you're right. Because self-deprecating humor is something that comes from depression and anxiety. But... Depression is a normal response. Last week, Steve talked about anxiety. Anxiety can be a normal response. 
He talked about it's, it's an alarm. It's your body saying something is not right. And, and a lot of us just turn that alarm off and it's just getting louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. I drive a Subaru and it's one of the newer Subarus that has, I wanted you guys to know that. It's kind of a part of my identity. Um, it's one of the newer ones where it's got the cameras in it. And it's one of like the safest cars on the road by like all these different measurements. And you know how most cars when you don't wear a seatbelt, it's got the little like ding, 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 and then it turns off. In a Subaru, it goes ding, 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 and it, I tested it. 15 miles still didn't turn off, and I was going crazy. It was just this blaring alarm, and eventually we just tune it out with anxiety, and we don't need to. Because anxiety is a normal response, but it doesn't define us. Depression can be a normal response to bad things happening. We live in a fallen and broken world full of sin. Not everything that happens to us is good. Not everything that happens to us goes the way we want it to, even if it is good for us. So I said, Rebecca, can, can I talk about your experience and she was like, I, I would love for you to do that because she's pretty open about where she's at and where she's been. And if you don't know her, she's here sometimes. Sometimes she helps lead worship and stuff like that. Like she would love to talk to you about what you're going through and about where she's been. And she's, she's not a counselor. She's not a therapist. You might need someone who is a licensed professional to help you go talk through and, and process what, what like life has kind of handed you. But if you're not ready for that, find her, find somebody else, find one of the leaders, whether it's me or Steve or, or whoever, right? There's, there's people in this room who are here every single week and find somebody to talk to. I'm gonna ask, can I share your story? She said, I would love for you to share my story. When, um, like I said, when, when she was a kid, some, some really rough stuff happened to her and, and, and trauma kind of stays with you. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the, the saying, hurt people hurt people. And, and she had been hurt by a couple different people. And, and when we started dating, she was like, I'm worried. We actually ended up breaking up. She's like, I'm worried that you're going to leave me. And I was like, I've wanted to like marry you since like after a month of knowing you. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm going anywhere. Even the dog, we got her on Sunday, right? Brand new dog. And I was at work all day yesterday and, and the dog had like four accidents in the house. And last night she goes, I'm worried that you're gonna be mad at the dog for having accidents and I wanted the dog so you're gonna get mad at me and that you're gonna either kick the dog out or you're gonna kick me out. And I was like, what? And I was like, dogs have accidents, especially nine-week-old puppies, it happens, it's life. But this is, this is this anxiety and this depression in her talking to her and lying to her. And as we're dating, she's dealing with some depression and then we got married and she was working at a school at the time um, and so she had the summer off. And I would go to work every day and I would get back at like 3.30 in the afternoon and she would still be in bed. And the curtain's drawn and the light's still off. And I would say, what'd you do today? This. And we probably all had some days like that. But that would be Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And as I would like beg and plead with her, like, hey, let's go hang out with some friends or let's go see a movie or let's go do this or let's go for a hike or whatever. Sometimes we would do it, but it was, it was paralyzing, it was crippling 
in a way. And I was just like, what is wrong? I knew she dealt with depression. I knew she dealt with anxiety. I knew that these things were factors, but I didn't know what they looked like. And it was so painful to sit there and watch somebody that you love so much. Like literally, like right after we got married. We got married in June, and she had two more weeks of work, and then she had the summer. And to watch that was just like, what is going on? And I was like, is, is it something I'm doing? Is it so? And she was, and that made, just made her like feel worse because it's like, no, it's nothing you did. It's nothing you can do. It's just where I'm at right now. And I almost had to like pester her and like bug her, like, tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's wrong. And as men, we like to just like fix things. Like you see a problem and you fix it. Like if there's a tool, I'll buy it. If there's like time, I'll spit, whatever it is. Like, how do I fix this? And she was like, you can't fix this. And depression comes in waves and it's seasonal sometimes. And, and sometimes it's like always there and at different seasons, it gets worse. And she was like, I'm, I just don't know what to do. And one night we were kind of talking just like about, about who God is and what's going on. And it's really, really hard to be like, here's what God's trying to do in my life when you like literally like thoughts of suicide are crossing your mind. It's like, what do I do? And we started talking about like me, like the pastor trying to like fix this with like scripture and stuff because that works every time. But I think there's some truth to this. In, in Ephesians chapter four, Verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Or it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you guys know that as human beings were created in the image of God, meaning that if he has emotions and feelings, we have those emotions and feelings and they're distorted by sin in the world that we live in. But I know that God can experience grief and sadness because I experience grief and sadness. Do you think when we sin and we go out and we disobey God and we don't bring honor to God, he's just like, yes, you guys are the best. No, he sent his son to die so that you and I could be in a restored relationship with God. God experiences grief every time we sin. God mourns over our sin, but sent us Jesus because Jesus was the only one who could bring us into that relationship, his own son. And as we end up talking about grieving the Holy Spirit and saddening the Holy Spirit, it's kind of sobering to, to remember that like sometimes you can feel the way you do because God actually created you that way. And it's not fun. And we've talked to so many different people about like, oh, well, God can heal you of your depression. And he definitely can. If you leave here today, I want you to believe that God can heal you from depression, but that doesn't mean he is obligated to do so. And that does not diminish his character in any way. It doesn't make him less good in any way. And I know that because throughout scripture, from beginning to end, God used people who dealt with mental health Issues And Steve talked about some of them at the beginning of this series a couple weeks ago, but, but there's so many more. David, King David, lost, lost his children. And I can't imagine 
what that's like. I just got this puppy, and if something happened to her right now, I would be, I, I didn't even want her in the house. And if I lost her right now, like, I would not be here tonight. And not just because my wife would be sad, like, I would be so wrecked. We've had her for two days. David lost his children, and in Psalm verse 38, uh, chapter 38, verse four, it says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. There's heaviness and there's weight from the guy who is, who is called after God's own heart. He battled insecurity as well as his own failure. Elijah, the prophet. Now prophets, I think some of us, when we think of prophets, we think of like a guy with a crystal ball or something like that. Prophets in the Old Testament heard from God and killed bad guys. Okay, and Elijah, this is right after like this victory over like killing these, this, this tribe of people who were trying to insert their own God. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse four, it says, after victory over the enemy, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am not better than my ancestors. Here is the guy that God speaks directly to so that he can speak to his people. And he says, God, take my life. He is dealing with some dark stuff. Jonah, the guy with the really big fish. We've all heard of Jonah since we were little kids. Jonah at one point says, God, my life is not worth living. And if you have battled with depression, maybe you have said that exact same phrase to someone else or to God in your prayer life. Guys, depression, just like what Steve said last week, does not have to define who you are. It might be something that you deal with every single day for the rest of your life, but it is not who you are. Because even as Jonah is saying, God, my life is not worth living, Jonah was called by God to go and to spread good news. Guys, I don't know how the church has done such a poor job of talking about mental health because literally like a third of the people who wrote the Bible suffered and dealt with mental health issues. Jesus himself was prophesied in Isaiah to be a man of sorrows. I can't think of another term that describes depression more than a man of sorrows. This is the son of God we're talking about. I don't get it. I don't get how we've, we've, we've done such a poor job of addressing it. So tonight, I want to give you guys some promises. Some promises from God, because, because I think one thing that we, we actually have from God is, is his word. There's, there's this thing in Ephesians called the armor of God, and there's all these, these defensive things. There's a sword, and there's a helmet, and there's a shield, or like, not the sword. That's an offensive thing. Scripture is is the sword of the Spirit. It's the only thing that we actually have that's offensive. And the promises of God, I think, are offensive. They're not magic. They're not like spells or anything you can like say to like make your day better. Like it's nothing like that. But when I read these promises, I want you guys to hear them. I want you guys to, to like speak them to yourself because they are the words of the living God. Psalm 34 Verse 18, it says, The Lord is, Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He is near to the brokenhearted. 
and saves the crushed in spirit. Guys, this verse is not just for comfort. Like, oh, God is close by. This is a declaration of God's truth and character. If you feel like this is you or this has been you, crushed in spirit or brokenhearted or, or struggling or, or a man of sorrows, God is close to you. Joshua chapter one, verse nine, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is not saying, hey, you need to be strong on your own because God is with you. This is trust and rely on the strength of God. You don't have to do it on your own. Please invite God into that and don't try and separate and, and recluse and seclude yourself from the presence of God. He is with you wherever you go. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want you guys to think for just a moment about how in Genesis where it says God created Adam. I don't know where, what you believe about creation or, or evolution, but but for a second, let's just look at what scripture says. It says that God formed Adam. He formed man. And then he went to form Eve. He created us. He didn't just speak us into existence. It wasn't like that. It was intent. You are God's handiwork. The joy that you feel is because God feels joy. The, the happiness that you feel is because God feels happiness. If, if you are concerned about justice, it's because God is just. And if you are grieved or anxious, it's because God can do the same. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When God prepares something in advance, it's because he has a person or people in mind to fulfill it. You are not an accident. You are not worthless. You are created by God for a purpose. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. As God is with us and he is the one giving us strength and boldness and the power to deal with the darkness and the things that come our way. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you don't hear the promise in that, Jesus came to earth to be a man of sorrow so that we could have life abundantly. That doesn't mean things are perfect. That doesn't even mean things are always good. But that we have abundant life in Jesus. And lastly, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Guys, you can trust God. It might not always be easy. It, it, it might be the hardest thing you can actually think of to do. But if you're in this room and you're a Jesus follower, you can trust God to continue to see you through whatever you're going through. 
And there are all sorts of verses all throughout the New Testament about be, be joyed when you face trials of many kinds and, and, and suffering produces character and, and, and perseverance and hope and, and all these things. And I can read those verses to you. And if you want to know, I'd gladly get coffee with you to talk about how scripture points to trials and suffering are not always a bad thing. But it's so hard to say that like suffering is not a bad thing. Even if that's what God has for us temporarily. Guys, learning the truth of God does not remove your depression. It will not magically or instantly make you feel better. But it can keep you from spiraling. And sometimes that's where depression and anxiety live, is, is you can just get by to the next day, and to the next day, and to the next day. I've got a friend of mine who has debilitating migraines. And I don't know if you guys deal with migraines. Migraines aren't fun. And right now I've got these lights in the back of the room pointing straight at me and I'm literally like blinded. Like I'm glad there's nobody over here because I can't see any of them and you guys in the back row, I just kind of see like floating heads um, because these lights are super intense in my eyes and if you had these debilitating migraines, you'd be standing up here just like screaming in pain. My friend who has these migraines still goes to work, still helps do stuff around the house with her husband and makes dinner and, and laundry and whatever else. And she said, I can't afford to just give up on life because of the pain and suffering I feel. She doesn't always look six months in the future and like, oh, I can't wait to do this. But sometimes it's just getting through the day. And sometimes what we need is God's truth and God's promises to give us hope because we can, in fact, hope in a living God. Revelation 21, verse 4. Some of you guys know this verse. Some of you guys grew up in church and you've been saying this since you were like nine years old because you went to like some vacation Bible school or something. Revelation 21, verse 4 says, He, not you, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Guys, if you are battling with depression today or you've battled with it in the last three months or the last six months or the last year or you're experiencing like anxiety beyond what you feel like you can really go through and deal with, I pray tonight that you can find comfort in the fact that one day you won't anymore. There's this hymn that, that we grew up when, when I was growing up in, in church in high school, this hymn, um, this song that we would sing in this like super conservative Baptist church where everybody like wore suits and you couldn't put your hands up and worship and um, you read from these like books and you just like read like this and you couldn't get excited about anything. There's this song that we would sing and the last verse says, till he returns or calls me home. And that has stuck with me because it is not my decision when I go or where I go, it is God's. And if we can trust in that, if we can find peace and trust in the fact that God has a bigger plan and has had a bigger plan than we can ever understand or hope for since before you were an idea in your mother's womb. Guys, one day it'll all be over. 
And what we'll be left with is literally a perfect world. One without COVID, one without hurt, one without pain, one without hunger, one without rude people and road rage, talking to myself here. One day we will get to sit at the feet of God in heaven in perfection and praise and worship him. And he promises us that. If you're dealing with something that you can't handle, don't think you have to do it alone. And don't think there's any judgment from any of our leaders or any of our staff or or anything like that because our goal here is not to judge you and tell you what you could or should do or anything like that. We want you to understand how loved and valued you are by a creator who put you here. So I'm gonna pray in just a second and, and they're gonna come up and as they do, we might need to just reflect and, and just be open and honest. And, and there's gonna be some of us in the back of the room. And if you need prayer, come find it. If you need to, to talk to somebody, come do that. But please don't leave here tonight saying, well, they, just, they, they could never understand and they can't do anything. We might not be able to do a lot. We can't heal you. Only God can do that. But hopefully we can give you some hope and remind you there's people here who love you. You guys pray with me.